All right. I'm rolling. You rolling? Jesus. Yes, I'm rolling. Okay. So. What? What was it that finally, <laughs> finally, finally broke your brain? I was scrolling. Before you tell me, before you tell me, before you tell me, I just want to point out a couple things you've lived through. <laughs> there was the great, uh, if you don't like Beyonce, you don't like Beyonce Facebook skirmish of 2013. <laughs> uh, One for the ages. There was 9 11. Uh, what else was there? You've been through some shit, but this is, well, this is the kicker. Yeah. I mean, well, I was just perusing this story because there were some Letcher County people in it. Um, interesting. Politically opposed groups find common ground through conversation on CBS news. It's about like this trading places type program where like rich liberals from the Northeast come down to Appalachia and get Trump supporters and then take them back to their environs <laughs> and have hard and conversations. common ground. Yeah. Yeah, they, have, they ask the tough questions of one another. Yeah. Um, they eventually talked politics. People on both sides felt insulted, misunderstood, but the gun lovers and tree huggers all survived. <laughs> That's pretty good. This isn't what broke my brain, though. You would think that this would be the thing that broke it, but this is not it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so this story is part of a larger series on CVS News called Unifying America. It's about bringing people together through uh, right. common conversation. Right. Well, one of the installations in that series is about something called Racists Anonymous. So uh, let me... <laughs> Let me just play you the opening clip. This is the first thing I heard. Okay. Hi, I'm Tiffany. I'm a racist. It's surprising to hear. <laughs> Shocking to hear. <laughs> it's surprising that's to hear. That's, that's funny. Like, even if you were racist, that's such a, a hilarious thing to, like, lead, to identify with. Yeah. Like, in terms of your identities, that'd be like me saying... <laughs> Like, I don't go and say, hey, uh, my name's uh, Tom and I'm a Pentecostal, or my name's Tom and I'm a Marxist, or my <laughs> name's Tom and I'm, you know, whatever. That's so weird. Like, you lead with Except a, for, like, a yeah. personality trait of yours. <laughs> Hi, my, I name's mean, not Tom just any I, my name's Tom and I'm an optimist. <laughs> I mean, so, but it's weird. It's, like, weird to see someone who's not, like, in the KKK saying that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hi, I'm Tiffany. I mean, well, maybe they are. Maybe this is the point. <laughs> I don't know. Let's not assume they're not. But, yeah, it's a very strange thing for, like, somebody that's not, like, pretty explicitly a white supremacist to lead with. Right, As right. their defining character of who they are. Yeah. Uh, well, let me go ahead and play you the, uh, the next part of it. <laughs> so, the people who are in Racist Anonymous are, as you can see, the audience can't, but you can just look this up. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't know this was a group. I thought that was the name of this, like, segment. No, this is... It's a, There's it's a an, group called Racist. Racist Anonymous. So, it's a... This pastor... It's group meetings for racists? <laughs> 
It's like AA for racist. It's AA for racist. There's a pastor in like California who's applying the methods he learned in AA, which by the way, I love this idea and I feel like we're starting to see more of it, but I love the idea of applying AA to literally every any problem. <laughs> well, also too, it's got to be at least 3 times as effective as like surge. <laughs> Like, where Surge is just like, uh, you know, you should really, we need to be confronting white supremacy and all that kind of stuff, and they never, like, do the work in themselves. At least AA says, there's, like, a, a religiosity attached to it that you might not like, but it does center on working on the well, self so that you can contribute to the whole. More importantly, that's exactly right. Surge is intensely individualistic it says you have to stand up as an individual and call it out where you see it whereas racist anonymous says no you are just another cog in something much larger than yourself you have to give up a part of yourself <laughs> you have to give up a part of yourself you have to give up the white supremacy that lives within you yeah and then like all the rising tide lifts all boats and once we've all dealt with our internal white supremacy then we can I, then we're good. I'm more sympathetic to this than yes, Surge or where these... Surge is like Surge is like you should uh, you should uh, be weird, fake, nice to black people. Right, 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 right. Um, but I, uh, anyways, let me play you the next part. Of this. <laughs> and even harder to admit, nobody really likes owning or being referred to as a racist. Doug, who asked us to use only his first name, is a member of Racist Anonymous, a 12-step program like AA. I'm Doug, I'm a racist. Pastor Ron Buford started Racist Anonymous six years ago. CBS News visited his Sunnyvale, California church in October of 2016. There are a number of uh, black people, and some of them have these weird names. And somehow, I just can't remember those weird names. And, I'm very, I feel very bad about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> this, this feels, this, dude, this feels like a 2002 Dave Chappelle show bit. That is exactly, I sent it to my buddy Jack and said the exact same thing. <laughs> I mean, like, you couldn't make this up. No, it, feel, it feels exactly like that. That said, it's not the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> Uh, let me play you the next small part, and then I'll, and then I've not watched the whole thing. I can't make it past like the first two minutes without just completely losing it. Here at home, amid one of the most racially turbulent times since the '60s, Racist Anonymous is more relevant than ever. I have come to admit that I am powerless over my addiction to racism. <laughs> Nancy joined six months ago. To <laughs> Dude, that that killed bro, me. Bro, here's, here's my here's my th here's my thing about that. It's like, does racism feel good to you? <laughs> like, 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 do you get the same jolt out of hate that you do from, I don't know, pills? <laughs> I that was the quote that for me. I mean, if you take that sentence out of context, it's the funniest sentence in human history. I am powerless to racism. <laughs> or I am powerless, powerless to my addiction to, to racism. 
<laughs> to balance to my addiction to racism. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of true. This country is addicted to racism, truly. Yeah, um, it's 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 uh Well, it's interesting because I think like the idea that like but this is this is almost like saying like you get high off racism. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like I feel like racism the reason I don't feel like it's a one to one, I feel like racism is more about not wanting to like cede your power, your hegemony as a group in society to other right. people. As a white person. And I I just don't know that that's transfer like I can see some utility in it but i just don't think it's transferable to the aa model overall well remember we did an episode about this a patreon episode about under earning anonymous or under earners anonymous remember that yeah i mean is this the thing is people are just like like just ascribing any sort of societal ill or perceived societal ill to the aa model well it makes sense My own personal experiences with AA recently kind of, yeah, they have kind of informed this in a way. It kind of makes sense for this reason. If you're a person who is troubled about the state of the world and social problems and social issues, let's say a hundred years ago, what you would do is you would go get involved in politics. Well, politics is ostensibly dead. And so it's kind of like in the 70s how everyone retreated into these sort of subcultures and worlds of fantasy where they couldn't plug into politics in a way because you can't affect any change through the proper channels that way it's sort of similar but now we're using aa because there are things in aa that do make a lot of sense and that i agree with and i think do make you a better person they help you navigate life easier but you repair relationships they help that like a lot of people get sober in AA. that's absolutely true right can't discount it that's right but i have a lot of critiques of it as well um Right, uh, and so it's it's a grab bag for me, but but that's a whole different issue for chemical substance addiction or behavioral like gambling, uh, sex, those things, impulsive <laughs> behaviors. Exactly, that's exactly right. Impulsive behavior. So I don't know. I guess is racism an impulse? I guess it kind of is. I I think it. I don't but, know. But it's. It, I feel like. I feel like. I, I mean I don't know because I like I <laughs> I just I don't know how intoxicating hate could be to me it feels just more like <laughs> um like even if you were a racist right like right. I just I feel like that has more to do with um I don't know though man because I'm I'm a gossip and I imagine like if you are a reactionary you know what I mean? If you have had that experience of like having power, seeing it threatened, and then like you needing to scapegoat somebody, uh-huh. I could see that being as addictive as like gossiping and like sort of the right. You know what I mean, just like the blowing off some steam that we all do, like shit talking and all that kind of stuff, which is like <laughs> toxic, but like we all do it because it like makes us feel less bad about our own failings and shortcomings you know what right, I mean? to right. call somebody else usually somebody we love piece of shit behind their back <laughs> so i don't know i mean maybe there is a little more related there than i think but still it feels like a uh it feels like not every like 
intervention works for certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think like with the Under Earners Anonymous, the most you can say about this, without passing any kind of value judgment on the uh, the substance of, no pun intended, of the uh, thing itself, but you can say that it at least is an indication of where we're at societally, where we've all acknowledged that there's nothing we can really do about problems anymore, and so we have to just pathologize our own problems and try to like work through them in therapy session form. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like uh, there's a like a paralysis of collective action or whatever. Dude, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, which is a, such a strange thing to say. Because less than a year ago, we were, you know, all out in the streets and burning down police stations and everything like that. But it feels like, where do we go? Now that you mention it, this feels fascinating in the sense that we're coming off of a phase of intense, like, street activism, um, nonprofit organization, uh, even volunteer groups and stuff like that. But because there's been no substantive change in the last 10 years, I guess this is what people are resorting to now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not literally nothing has changed since Tamir Rice was killed or, you know, anything like that. It's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really, I don't know. It's really interesting to think about because, okay, you know, if you're a white person in this country, you've, you've, you've been around, like racist people you know what i mean family members so on and so forth like you know the things they say about people the people they scapegoat about whatever right you know what i mean that and it's it goes one of two ways it's either again you're in that position of power you see it threatened and you need somebody to scapegoat in order to sort of keep the you know the the encroachment of you know certain groups of people at bay or you indulge that because your life all of a sudden as a white person sucks because the factories closed or your jobs are left, whatever the case is. Right. And you're like, well, it's the Mexicans, it's whoever, it's the the bankers, whatever, whatever. Like that type of racism. Like it usually goes one of those two ways. The third type is like this sort of like the way in which we've all been led to believe that like because it, it is true white supremacy lives in all of us you know what i mean it's just that's just codified in in us at this point yeah it, it encourages certain normative behaviors that then get sort of reproduced and practiced subconsciously on a day-to-day basis right C- correct correct and then the other part to that is like uh, to do this like sort of like absolution self-flagellation thing I the saying like I am a racist like I mean yeah in the sense that white supremacy lives in all of us and like yeah the, the lady that was saying the thing about the weird names like that's racist obviously but like you know like when like <laughs> liberals would be like well we're all racist if you think you know what I mean yeah. or like it's just tribalism it's like this that's like I don't know if I, I buy that in that sense that feels to me like just some like typical like liberal self-flagellation bullshit yeah i mean this what concerns me about this is it freezes people into i don't know i don't know really where i stand on it honestly because when you talk about race like 
theoretically as a radical, a communist or whatever, you would like to live in a society where <clears throat> race-based differentiation and punishment based off of that does not exist. And, Correct. And so I guess you have to ask yourself, does racist anonymous get me there? <laughs> it probably doesn't prevent you from getting there. So it's, I guess it's not a negative, but it's also maybe not a positive. <laughs> I don't know. It it I I'm probably just going to lean on it probably doesn't go far enough but like you know it's fine keep doing your thing Reverend uh, <laughs> and uh, you know you could you could do worse than have AA as like a a guidepost I think yes no I agree I absolutely agree um, but goddamn dude just that opening it's shocking to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name's whatever. I'm a racist. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. Okay, all right. I'm gonna Absolutely play the next. Amazing. I'm gonna play the next thirty seconds. I don't know what else is in it, but uh, and then we can move on. She says she learned from her parents. Do you think you still have some of those racist tendencies? I do, because to this day, if I see someone with like a a headscarf oh like no yes. oh no my heart just kind of clenches how do you feel when you react that way now now terrible um but also better it's helped me to identify all of these feelings that i had just bottled up they're challenging racial turmoil by first confronting themselves so i've made a calculation in my head that this is worth it outing myself here so that others can see it and maybe be inspired to do something about themselves and potentially transform society. Oh, that's good. I don't know that guy's name, but he looks like Paul. So it's good, Paul. Thanks for that. At the very least. Paul, yeah, if you need to out yourself, you know, <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, well... Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna have to think on this more. See where I really land on it concretely, but I, right now my brain is a little, little shoddy too. I just like it's in this CBS series unifying America, <laughs> and like literally two of the titles in this series: politically opposed groups find common ground through conversation, and then the next one: liberals and conservatives find common ground. <laughs> just shit like that. <laughs> Oh my god! You know that's good shit, man. Yeah, it's good shit. I wonder if when we did that America Divided with Nick Offerman, did uh, were people like in their home shocked, like, "Oh my god!" There's people that identify as socialist, and <laughs> you know what I mean, like, and it was just this jar, like, kind of weird to hear for them as like these these people just saying, uh, "My name is Anita. I'm 37 from <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania," and. Uh, I'm a racist. That is kind of interesting to think about because in AA, you know, I'm an alcoholic, uh, I'm an addict. You know, didn't you talk about your experiences in your drug? So I wonder if some people have like their racism, you know what I mean? Like their specific yeah. race. Yeah. Man. We're going to go, be going to uh, AA for socialism at some point. <laughs> we will eventually. I'm addicted. Yeah, we'll yeah, get there. I'm, uh, my name's Tom, and I'm addicted to uh, a compelling vision of the future. Son, there is no compelling, but there is no future. 
that's what you will have to go to AA for. You'll have to get that impulse beat out of you. Idealism. I'm going to AA. Idealism. (laughs) AA. Yeah. Right. God damn, man. Um, Well, uh, speaking on the uh, note of idealism and racism, um, the hot new podcast out on these streets uh, features Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. Um, Have you checked it out, Brother Tom? Man, I'll be honest with you. I ran to that shit. And I uh, once I got there, I was like, I just don't know if I can do this. And the reason I don't know if I can do it is, I mean, yeah, I could sit here and say, the, the, the neoliberalism, the, the, the neoliberalism. But honestly, it's just that, like, I've kind of done the thing with Springsteen that other people do with Dolly Uh that I've so harshly criticized, you know? Right, right. In print and online. They're like, I just, like, can't accept that Bruce isn't who I, like, wanted him to be in my head. (laughs) Well, I think the thing about... Well, by the way, I listened to some of it. It was god-awful. And it's very hilarious to me that a person would go... Their trajectory in life would be constitutional lawyer, author, best-selling author, state senator, president of the United States, podcaster. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Amazing uh, You don't go from a noble calling to an ignoble calling. It's just, it's... Yeah. You're the, taking a few steps back. Well, I, I mean, you know, I guess probably I should look at that the other way, <laughs> is that the presidency is an ignoble calling and podcasting is noble. the highest calling. That's right. It is the highest yeah. calling. Well, I'm just glad to see he didn't peak... <laughs> By winning the White House. The president to podcast pipeline, my friend. It is very real. Are we going to reverse engineer it? And <laughs> what are the odds of either of us becoming the president of the United States? Well, dude, here's the thing. A lot of political leaders have got their start. Most of them reactionary, of course, like Mike Pence. But also, our own, our very own Hal Rogers started as a radio DJ, man. Really? Yep. I never knew that. Was he like kind of a talk radio guy? No, this was in the 50s before, I guess there was Father Coughlin, but before drive time oh, radio, okay. I think, was a real big thing. So I think he was just playing like... So Hal Rogers truly has not had a real job his entire life. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct, yes. <clears throat> so what I guess what I'm saying is that there's a not there's a non-zero chance we could become... A leader of men. I probably, I think my ceiling is probably, well, at this point, it's probably notary public, but like, <laughs> stars perfectly aligned, everything goes just so. I think I'm probably topping out at um, Alderman. <laughs> that seems like say- a good job for me, Alderman. Well, that way, you have been city councilman, so you've gone through the same trajectory, my friend. You and Obama are on this, both probably interned at the Clinton Foundation, you know? <laughs> That's true. That is true. God, if I would have stayed the course, man, I could have at least been like, I don't know, like fucking Secretary of State of fucking Rhode Island or something. Right. Um. Well... 
on the Bruce Springsteen note, I too feel that way in the sense that I attributed things to the boss that were never really there. However, in our defense and in defense of anyone who defends nine to five, which is a great song with a great message. The same is true for some of Bruce's stuff as well. <clears throat> I think the truth of the matter is, no, regardless how you feel about it, it's an indication of how badly things have decayed, really, in the last couple right. of decades. That, like, those those celebrities used to be uh, liberals, you know what I'm saying? And now yeah. what passes for liberal is basically right-wing. <laughs> like, that's right, how bad right. things have gotten. Yeah, man. I I was um, I was like, kind of getting caught up on like all the confirmation hearings and everything like this. And like, it's funny how they cast it. It's like Bernie Sanders and six like ultra conservative Republicans <laughs> are the only people that like voted to against Tom Vilsack right. as like ag secretary. Then it's just like, man, everybody's just everybody's just giving up. Like, if you can't beat them, join them. Right. Keith Ellison today, like talking about Nira Tandon deserved to be confirmed, <laughs> and like it is like what the, when the Bible says in the end there'll be a great falling away. What we're noticing is a great falling away of even like people we p- even put a little bit of hope into. Right, you're right. <laughs> fuck yep. it. It's just easier. Just to, it's just you know what liberalism feels good. Feels good to the flesh. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's bad for the spirit, but like it's it's just it's just easy, you know what I mean? If that's the case, then you can go to AA for liberalism as well. I mean, if that is <laughs> what you say, God damn, dude! Now that's now that could work. <laughs> what would that look like, though, dude? People really are addicted to liberalism. Truly, I mean, oh man, no, you're. Ex- <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it is. Is give them a drip, baby. Yeah. Give them, give them brunch. Give them clean Nordic lines uh, <laughs> for furniture. I mean, like, give them like a, uh, give them Mayor Pete. I mean, like they are. I've seen people. And I, I. It's funny because you spend so much time trafficking and left Twitter, you never know what's like real or not out in the real world anymore. But like, like I saw somebody posting like screenshots from like dating profiles of people now like talking about how they love neoliberalism as like identify with like <laughs> neoliberalism so right. it's funny because i always hear like people even people that like truly are liberals you know what i mean like say oh neoliberalism sucks man because it's just like so pejorative right to think about that now but like they're like it's funny to think about a subset of people that like have like probably just as like a contrarian thing against leftists just like have embraced it, and like yeah, I love neoliberalism. <laughs> That's how fucking goofy shit is right now. I mean, neoliberalism isn't really even an ideology. It's just basically capitalism on steroids. Maybe that's a cliche to say that, but well, it's just well, it's absolutely one of those things you just know it when you see it, and it really kind of means nothing anymore because everything's a neoliberalism, you know? Yeah, I mean, I say. I say that people are addicted to be being liberals, but I don't really have any space here to talk. I mean, 
it, it ultimately doesn't matter. That's that's the kicker here. I mean, like it has it doesn't really matter whether you are liberal or socialist or communist or whatever. I mean, but at the end of the day, it's just a a label you basically put on yourself. I mean, it's just a set of beliefs you have. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like like none of us are like I mean we we could be like communists in the world of ideas or the life of the mind or whatever <laughs> but like in practice like there is no party apparatus there is right. no like exactly. way to actually practice communism <laughs> like in like a as like a mass political project at the moment you know what I'm saying? Right. That that is. I'm not talking about before people jump down my throat about like mutual aid and other things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like actually been a viable like political entity with like a, the party faithful and everything yeah um yeah that's right i mean because at the end of the day i guess the way i look at it is like me here sitting on this chair talking to you i can say oh so and so is addicted to being a liberal but it doesn't really matter if either of us have the correct set of beliefs and opinions and worldview because both of us are ultimately powerless <laughs> so right 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 your ideology actually doesn't mean shit until you get power <laughs> yeah i don't i guess i mean y- you could be influenced and build power right you know what i'm saying like the panthers or whoever like you want to use as a test case for sure but like when the rubber hits the road until like you're you have power i'm not sure that it like matters much like if you're uh you know a communist or a whig or a democrat or whatever you want to call yourself yeah yeah i can already tell this is a segment i'm going to regret having (laughs) weighed in on (laughs) yeah yeah just got away from us that happens um well anyways the bruce Obama podcast, uh, pretty boring. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really not even offensive or anything. It's just really fucking banal and boring. Yeah, it's like, what did they talk about? Well, on the second episode, they talk about racism, and so B- Obama just asks the boss about Clarence if this- he's if he's if he's been to if he's been to <laughs> racism, aa. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he he asked him about like uh, what was his name? Clarence, the saxophone player in the E Street Band. Clarence oh. Clemens. Yeah, I think that's right. Obama just asked him a bunch of questions about Clarence Clemens, and and the boss is like, "Well, yeah, we know we we played music together." I don't know, <laughs> just like stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, Cla- yeah. Well, when did Clarence die? He died a few years ago, right? Yeah, I can't remember. Is this is Clarence the one him and Bruce would kiss on stage? I think so yeah, yeah. Did uh, President Obama ask Bruce about his uh, latent homosexuality? <laughs> uh, not in the part that I listened to, but you never know. There was only two episodes so far, so. It could get into some, some really more adult themes. Yeah, some more adult themes. You imagine Barack Obama just saying that's like, um, Bruce, you uh, put some of your feelings out there on, on, <laughs> on Main Street. 
yeah. Um, well, speaking of Dolly, speaking of he- having heroes, um, the the latest news in Dolly Land. At this point, we might as well literally have a podcast about Dolly. Um, Kentucky Kingdom is being sold to Dollywood owners. So, man, I wonder what that's going to look like. Is this going to be Dolly Kingdom? Is this like, are there is there going to undergo a rebranding? Like, what's going, or is it just like the Herschel Family Foundation? Just, I think, like, just buying it. I think so. I'm sure that they just acquired it, and so they're just like <laughs> going to turn Kentucky Kingdom into like one of those giant Christian bookstores that you see on the side of the interstate. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Um. And we would be so lucky, honestly. Anyway, exactly, exactly. Um, well, let's see what else do we got. We've got five thousand, five hundred thousand COVID deaths. Biden held a moment of silence for half a million people dead. Um, you know what was kind of weird about that is, like, they kind of preemptively did that. Like, they started planning for that before we actually hit 500,000. Uh-huh. <laughs> that anybody find that weirdly macabre besides me? Well, yes, it because they weren't doing the things to stop it from stop us from getting there, you know. So it's like but it's like they, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that we would hit 500,000. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. What if all those people recovered, you know? <laughs> So dark, man. Well, I mean, but they still haven't passed checks. Uh, Am I... Dude, we're getting to the point with checks where I start to feel like an asshole for bringing it up. Does that make sense? Like, we are now... Like, I now have internalized my own shame and guilt over not getting the goddamn checks that were owed to me. That's how fucked up it's gotten. (laughs) It's that Christian guilt of like, well, I guess I I didn't do anything to earn that $2,000. Exactly. And furthermore, I feel embarrassed for even bringing it up like the annoying guy at a party or something who keeps bringing up something that nobody wants to talk about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's like, like, man, it's like we just get on Twitter anymore to just like do me and the boys when the vaccine comes jokes and uh, <laughs> pointing out it, it's like the the true hallmark of our like political paralysis is that like we've reverted back to like mid to early 2000s style point out hypocrisies <laughs> right like Biden knows and does not care that he didn't get those checks flying out the door right he knows that we know that we've been had, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't because matter. He secured his place in history, which is what he wanted. Just because these people are just like don't have anything, don't believe in anything but their own ambition. And it's like at this point, it's just like log on, funny picture, <laughs> me and the boys when the vaccine comes. Log on. Where's those two? Where, man, uh, Biden owes me two thousand dollars. It's been. It's been 60 days, and those checks ain't flying out the door, like he said. And then, like, the other thing is, like, oh, he said he wasn't going to deport anybody, but he's already deported 30,000 people. And I'm not against, I'm not against bearing witness. I'm not, it's not what I'm getting at. 
What I'm getting at is that, like, they don't care. They don't give <laughs> a shit. What I, mean? I, I have noticed this. I had friends who, all throughout the primary, the election, well, they didn't say this to my face because nobody says anything to anybody's face anymore. Both because of the pandemic, but just in general. And also, we're just a bunch of pussies. <laughs> right. Exactly. Mostly, I'm a coward. <laughs> right. <laughs> but all, the, all through the election, it was basically... I mean, people are pointing... This itself is pointless, because I am pointing out a hypocrisy. But literally, all through the election, people were talking about kids in cages. And now, if... Uh, you go to their TL. They haven't mentioned a thing about Biden in in weeks because everybody knows deep down it's the secret that no one wants to acknowledge. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, uh, man. You know the hardest pill to swallow of all that is like all of us said, <clears throat> man. I'm never voting for the Democrats again. <laughs> 2016, we were resolute in that. Right. And I'll be goddamn if we didn't vote for the Democrats again. Guess what? <laughs> I sat in the Kroger parking lot today. Because I had to move my car from the Jackals at Lex Park. And I sat in that fucking Kroger parking lot today. And I said, man, I swear I'm never voting for the Democrats again. <laughs> and I just, I just want to keep this for posterity. I want to say that. Yeah. Because fast forward, if by some miracle we're still doing this show in 2024... And we and I'm out oh. here to pining for it. Listen, listen. I don't like her either. Okay, she's Dude, that's a couple the thing. of Harris. Okay, it's, no, it's but, gonna be. Here's the thing, dude. It's gonna be even worse because it's gonna be AOC, and then you really will have to have that inner conversation, and you'll have to do the same fucking dance you did in 2020 about Bernie. Like, uh, how much is my time? I can't. They're not gonna. They're not gonna do me like this again, are they? But they will. You can cope. You can once it gets here. 2024 gets here, and they run AOC as a Democrat. You can come back to this episode. And then mash it up with the episode I'll be doing in March 2024 and being like, well, guys, we just got to go hit the pavement for her. I'm sorry. That's just the way it's got to be. <laughs> We're going to do it, man. We're going to keep falling for it. Rinse, wash, and repeat. You know why? <laughs> We're stuck, man. <laughs> it's that paralysis. <laughs> it's paralysis. Exactly. We're just fucking stuck. <laughs> We're just stuck, man. Just no new ideas under the sun. We are the ones who need the AA, man. We keep going back, and there's nothing there. We keep going back to the well. There's nothing ever fucking there. Bro, as soon as you said ALC, it might, I, I lit up a little bit. That's how much I want to vote for. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. fucking well. shit. <laughs> Well, oh yeah well yeah um, we'll yeah there'll probably be something we'll like relitigate 2016 because it'll be like <laughs> joe biden will have uh, probably by that point uh succumb to uh consumption or something <laughs> uh and then right. they'll run kamala harris and will be it'll be like the whole like neoliberal versus like the progressive wing of the left or what you know whatever you want to call 
Yeah. That sort of, you know, the Ilyan Omar, the squad, plus, like, Bernie, plus whoever, like, coalition. And then we'll just relitigate this all again, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll make the case. I will. I can see myself aged. Well, it will be then. 37 or so Mm -hmm. 38 yeah and i'll be i'll say yep (laughs) we got to get out there man because change happens at the ballot box (laughs) even though i know full well and and, you know i can i already know what's coming i already know what's coming you know what i'm saying (laughs) well um so if we don't if there's no you know indication of how to get out of this then perhaps the people the good people of Letcher County might might know what do you think let's go with the tape on it <laughs> well say what you want but they've got some strong ideas about collective action <laughs> Christian people <laughs> You need to read your Bible, especially the book of Daniel and the Old Testament and his prophecy. Some of what is in the Bible has been fulfilled, you see. So you have to quit your sin and then you need to make it right when you do. Also, quit voting for evil. <laughs> Dude. I want to tell you something, that's man. A sign. That's strangely applicable to this discussion. <laughs> I don't think we need to read the book of Daniel or anything, but we we should quit voting for evil, At, and I think that's a yeah, good episode time. You're right. At the very least, you can just quit voting for evil. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure a certain school official thinks he's hit the jackpot with the married woman he's seeing. <laughs> I want you to know, buddy, this isn't her first rodeo, and it probably won't be her last, so don't get too comfortable. <laughs> I know you have been a very decent man, but you have stepped over a line. You're making fools of yourselves. Damn. Okay. Damn. A little moralizing, but whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> I think it's a shame. Oh, my God. They're going in on this couple. Dude, they really are. There's there was There was two this week, and there was one last week. I think it's a shame we have two school officials, one a woman and one a man. If I was editorializing here, because we have to make that distinction these days. <laughs> Who are having affairs. What is this world coming to? These are supposed to be people our kids can look up to, and yet they, here they are setting a bad example. One even at ball games. I think this needs to be checked into. Dude, what the fuck? What is going on at Letcher County Cougar ball games? Buddy, I don't know. That's well, one, they're just out there not wearing masks. That's one thing you can say about it. <laughs> Bitcoin has increased 22,000 per coin since Biden took office. In Trump's first month, Bitcoin increased $60 per coin. Thank you, President Biden, for saving the economy. <laughs> Man, wait, what, wait, what did he say again? How much did he say Biden under Biden it increased? 22,000 per coin. Oh, so he's saying Under Biden Trump, did it was just good 60 things per coin. <laughs> Interesting. Which kind of makes sense because, like, the Democrats with their whole, like, innovation and, you know, whatever, whatever, like, they would be totally comfortable so long as, like, if they just changed the national currency to, like, Facebook bucks or whatever. <laughs> 
I didn't think the Democrats could be so stupid, but once again, they've proved us wrong. They're dumber than a coal bucket. Damn, good one. Scorcher. Kind of weak. I got to be honest. That's pretty weak. To a certain grouch, you think you can go around giving me dirty looks, but guess what? When you die, you think you're going to be able to walk up to God with a big smile on your face and shake his hand, but it might be the other way around, buddy. (laughs) You mean God's going to die and walk up to him and shake his hand with a smile on his face? Damn, dude. God might have a trap door for you, and you'll get nothing but fire and brimstone for your tormenting of everybody. Think about it. You're going to pay for what you've done, and your money... Well, hell, you can't take it with you when you leave. <laughs> oh, man. Um, that's an interesting... Classic warning. Cl- a classic warning, yeah. And also an interesting concept, though. Where does God go when he dies, man? Does he come here? <laughs> <laughs> when God comes, becomes flesh. <clears throat> Well, the Democrats failed again in trying to persecute Mr. Trump. 74 million people voted for him, and now he's acquitted. And we do know he will, who will be running for president before long, and we do know who will win the presidency before long. <laughs> so you Democrats, go ahead and change the world as much as you can, because it will be changed again every time they switch. I say <laughs> God bless America, and God bless an honest vote. Dude! Dude, this... This could have been written by one of us. This is exactly what we've been talking about. Wait, yeah. look. The Democrats failed again in trying to persecute Mr. Trump. 74 million people voted for him, and now he's acquitted. And we do know who will be running for president before long, and we know who will win the presidency before long. So you Democrats, go ahead and change the world as much as you can, because it will be changed again every time they switch. Oh, my God. That's what it's going to be, man. I say God bless America and God bless an honest vote. Man, (laughs) for the next 30 years, we're just going to seesaw between Donald Trump being president and... (laughs) and, uh, Well, what it is, it's like cruder and cruder versions of Reagan and Kennedy. They just get more fucked up and deformed with every new iteration. It's like, oh, they're a Carter... You know, then there are a Carter and a Bush Senior, but then there are Clinton and a Bush Junior, but then there are Obama and Trump. You know what I mean? Like Obama, they just get more and more de- decrepit with every fucking iteration. Oh my God, you're so right. <laughs> oh man. Ooh. <laughs> I hope all people of color don't think all white people are racist. We are not. Well, this is this is this is the firmest rebuke of racism anonymous I've seen yet. Absolutely. I have a lot more in common with people of color than I do the legions of Trumpian racist supremacist skinhead morons who are following Donald Trump off a cliff. Or maybe he's a graduate of racism anonymous. <laughs> I don't know. Seems a little too confident for me. He needs to go back in my if he if he made it through, he needs to go back. Wait, this just made me think if there's racist anonymous, so then there's a 12-step program. So do you have to go back and, like, make amends? That makes sense. If you're a racist to somebody, you know, you go back and make amends with them. Oh, my God. I'd <laughs> give good money to see some of that. <laughs> Dear Speak Your Peace, 
don't watch CBS, MSNBC, and especially not CNN. They're communist sympathizers, and they spew lies. YouTube is trying to take our right to freedom of speech. They are socialist criminals of the highest order. These people need to be ran out of the United States. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, I literally unironically agree. CBS, MSNBC, and CNN should all literally be run out of the United States. I'm with you on this, buddy. When Joe Biden was a young senator, he'd never have signed these destructive executive orders. Now he'll sign anything put in front of him. This is somebody that's that's uh, pining for the halcyon days when he was a segregationist. This this is exactly. This is someone who only reps Joe Biden's earlier work. Someone I didn't know existed. <laughs> but I like Joe Biden up to about uh, 2008. <laughs> exactly. I don't understand what is coming to this country when cartoons can't even be cartoons anymore. <laughs> okay. Now we've now we have Mrs. Buttersworth taking off the the syrup bottles because it is racist. What about the Indians? What about the Jews? Look how bad they were treated. People have to quit digging up things from the past. Well, mm, that's an interesting way to uh, to arrive at that conclusion. <laughs> okay. Over the course of these speaker pieces, I'm becoming more and more convinced that everyone needs racist anonymous. <laughs> There's a lot of people in here that like either need it or have graduated the program. <laughs> Stock market indices are up from 7% to 19% just since Election Day. Thank you, President Biden. This guy in the big... I'm just like, who in Letcher County says that? (laughs) Right. Right. People always talk about how the right-hand fork of Doty Creek is bad for drug dealing. But everybody knows the left-hand fork has drug dealers, too. That the police are afraid of them. I thought that it was... uh... I thought that that was a good analogy for politics. The left-hand fork has drug dealers, too, but the police are afraid of them. Yeah, I thought it was going to go in the biblical direction. If your right hand causes you to sin, then whatever. (laughs) Right. Damn you Republican traitors. Oh, that's, that's, this would be funny if this said, damn you Republican traitors, you six that voted not to confirm Ag Secretary nominee Tom Vilsack. Damn you, Republican. Man, what if somebody in Eastern, in Letcher County just felt very strongly that Tom Vilsack needs to be the Ag Secretary? And so much so, they called Speak Your Peace to air that grievance anonymously. Uh, man. Damn you, Republican traitors. You six who voted to try former President Donald J. Trump, who is now a private citizen in the Senate for impeachment. It's just unconstitutional the way Democrats and even some Republicans think. The Republicans who voted to hold that trial should be thrown overboard. Hold your head high, Mr. Trump. You did nothing but state how you felt, and a lot of Americans felt the same way you did. Hold your head high. (laughs) Hold your head high. Go rest high on that mountain, President Donald J. Trump. I saw a poll this week that said nearly half of Republicans, I think it was 47 or 48 percent, said they would join a third party if Trump started one. 27 percent of them said they weren't sure if they would or not, which means they probably would. Oh my god. So basically he almost single-handedly could take 
<laughs> over the party. Yes, he could. Like he could, like he could, yeah, like he could bankrupt the Republicans if he really wanted to. <laughs> he could, yes. if there weren't controls in place for that to happen. Right. Okay. Uh-uh. Okay. All right. This one, you have to hold on to the end. This one is very interesting. I threw this on the list. And I almost bailed halfway through, three quarters of the way through. But then it gets to the end and delivers. It drops a bomb on you. So just just be looking out for it. Big payoff, huh? Yeah. Well, here we go. Close it out. Wait, wait. <laughs> I think there's another one. There's more after this. <laughs> no, wait, no, I think you're right. No, you're right. This is, this is closing it out. I've been jumping around, yeah. No, no, this, uh-uh. is, this is the last one. This will close it out. I watched the beginning of the second impeachment of Donald J. Trump. Again, the House Democrats subverted the Constitution to fit their embellished and destructive agenda. The bigoted Democrats in Congress, mainly from New York and California and Democrat-controlled cities, aided by the propagandist big media, big teach, <laughs> and their over... <laughs> Big Teach. I've never heard it called Big Teach. I'm talking Big Teach, Larry Hoover. Let's see. And their over-friendly relationship with China and their willingness to defund the police and misuse and purge the military and open up the border are jeopardizing the health, safety, and welfare of this republic called the United States. For the first time in my life, I am glad that my time in the military defending the Constitution and this nation rendered me unable to father children <laughs> for our nation as we know it will end. Thank you. Oh my. I've never looked at me, uh, you know, being rendered unfruitful as a blessing. Until I saw how bigoted these Democrats from New York and California are being and how they subvert the Constitution. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my God. That's the, that might be the best one I've ever read. <laughs> the war injury that left me impotent is He's preferable like, to how bigoted the Democrats are. Bro, I'm going to tell you something. Oh, my God. If you ever needed any evidence that the Democratic Party is going the way of the Whigs, there it is. A man. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, dude, it hurts. I'm laughing so fucking hard. It hurts. I have never been happy that I was rendered unable to have children in the war. Until uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Good shit. We call that one back home good shit. <laughs> That's the good shit, people. Oh, man. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I've My brain's been rattled, and this had some low points, but in the end, it paid off. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um. Well, you know, it's like you said, we weren't planning to record tonight, so... It's not every day that Racist Anonymous just lands in your lap, you know? That is true. I had a show planned, and it took a detour, because I opened it right before we came on. So, uh, this is what happens when you improvise, baby. Hell yeah. Um, Hell yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I want to plug the Patreon, because we have a new segment on the Patreon called getting the goods it's all about 
DA, man. It's all about how direct action gets the goods. Um, and our most recent Patreon episode has it. And uh, it's pretty good. Um, as we were recording it, we had to take a break in the middle of it. And I brought up that I had just watched I, Tanya to Tom. And, um, and I think that Tanya Harding is a pretty good example of how direct action gets the goods. I mean, she didn't win after, after they kneecapped Nancy Kerrigan, but it was pretty funny. And so it's just an example of how taking matters into your own hands sometimes can deliver. And that's what our segment is about. Uh, Tanya Harding struck the earliest blow against the neoliberal order when she kneecapped Nancy, <laughs> had Nancy Kerrigan kneecapped in order so she could win. That's the way I look that's, at it. I agree. It was the earliest sort of salvo in the rise of the white working class. <laughs> I agree. Just letting the neoliberal order know, hey, we're here. You, uh, so. uh, while we were breaking, though, you told me that you partied with Tanya Harding. <laughs> In I did. I partied with. I partied one night with Tanya Harding and uh, Tommy Morrison from the Rocky movies, who was also like a real <laughs> pro was. boxer and uh, had to retire after testing positive for HIV, and later claimed for many years that he had uh, cured himself of HIV just by being him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they were very sweet, very nice. We uh, we. Uh, Here's how it happened, okay? Uh, an old professor of mine, Dale Greer, a lot of people that went to Moorhead remember Dale Greer. He was a legend there. He was uh, perhaps most famous for being um, Nick Clooney, George Clooney's father's co-host on the morning show at WHAS NBC affiliate in Louisville. Uh-huh. And Dale uh, was raising money for something called the People's Clinic, which... Provided like low cost, like kind of healthcare stuff, like you know blood pressure checks, like dental work, you know standard medical routine, physical that type of stuff, for people that were un- uninsured and underinsured and so forth right. in the community. And in order to raise money for the people's clinic, he had uh, you know called Jimmy Page, who was a, a former world heavyweight champion. <laughs> Also from Louisville. A lot of people obviously know Muhammad Ali, but don't know that Jimmy Page, who was his best friend, was also the world heavyweight champion at one point. Not the guitarist from Led Zeppelin. No, 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 no. Different guy. Hold on one second. I'll finish the story. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. Why did I say Jimmy Page? I meant Jimmy Ellis. (laughs) Sorry. Dude, it threw so you sorry. off when I said that. I could tell in your mind you're like, wait. The guy well, I'm thinking I've of doesn't have a name similar to the guy in Led Zeppelin. Jimmy Ellis, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh Jimmy anyway, Jimmy Ellis. Apologies, everybody. Jimmy Ellis was Muhammad Ali's best friend, also former world heavyweight champion. Dale brought Jimmy Ellis and also uh Tommy Gunn Morrison and Tanya Harding and <laughs> A number of other people. They were doing like some kind of boxing exhibition. This is when like Tanya Harding was like trying to sort of uh, get into the combat sports as like a right. second career, you know. Right. And uh, yeah, I we I went out to the city lights, the Delta Gamma House with. 
Tanya Harding one night and had some cocktails and Tommy Morrison was there too and then afterwards I <laughs> took them to Taco Bell and then dropped them back off where they were staying just bullshit for a little while that rules that's not you know anything super crazy that happened but you know still I mean it's not every day you find yourself at Taco Bell with Tanya Harding and uh, what in, in I have driven a, a van a couple of times in my life and every time I drove a van, let me tell you the only that that like with well, three times I drove a van. One time I had uh, Tanya Harding and Tommy Morrison in there. Another time I had Tanya <laughs> Turner in there. And then the other then the other time I had Chelsea Clinton in there. Yes. <laughs> so every time I every time I drive a van, somebody noteworthy is in there. Oh man! Didn't you drive a golf cart one time with Hillary Clinton's brother? So man, you're a great no, chauffeur. Dr- no, actually, I, I, that was a van too. Yeah, I drove uh, <laughs> Hugh and Tony Rodham around too in a van. Well, so. well, if you ever have the opportunity to make Tom Stegson your chauffeur, definitely do it. It'll raise your status up a few notches, a few pegs. And you, you never know who might be in there with you. That's exactly right. Exactly right. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please go to the Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trillbilly Workers Party, and go support us. Listen to the episodes there. Listen to the new segment. You'll think it's funny. And uh, we'll see you next time, yeah? See you out there, folks.